Amen. Well, hello, my name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor here at Neighborhood Church. Thanks for joining us. It's great to pray for healing. It's great to come to the Lord's table together. And today we continue our series on 40 days of prayer, and we are in week three. And today is about prayers of provision to a God who provides. Prayers of provision to a God who provides. And let's say the Lord's Prayer together. We're saying it in different translations, different languages. So today is the New Living Translation. So if you'd like to say it with me out loud. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Prayers of provision to a God who provides. I want to ask you a question this morning. In what ways do you need God to provide? Or as Bartimaeus who Jesus confronted as he headed into a city and Bartimaeus was calling out saying, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. And Jesus went to him and said, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? In what ways do you need God to provide? Because today I want to remind you or maybe tell you for the first time, when we pray prayers of provision, we are praying them to a God who provides. According to Wikipedia, George Mueller, many of you are familiar with that name, was born in Russia in 1805. After saying his first yes to Jesus and having his life transformed, don't you wish all pastors looked like that? Um, Had his life transformed, he moved to England and got married. And he opened an orphanage in his house. And it got too noisy and chaotic in that neighborhood, so he moved to another neighborhood and opened a larger orphanage. And throughout his life, these orphanages cared for more than 10,000 orphans. He established 117 schools and educated more than 120,000 people. And never once did he ask for money. Not once. He simply prayed and trusted God to provide. On one well-documented occasion at the orphanage, they gathered for breakfast, and they had no food. And so George Mueller said, let's pray for breakfast. And so he prayed a prayer with no food in the building. And when he said amen, there was a knock at the door, and the baker said, here, I bake bread for you. And there's your breakfast. A moment later, he got another knock on the door, and this is in the 1800s, and the milk wagon had broken down outside, and there was not refrigeration at that time. And the milkman said, the milk's going to spoil anyways. Could you use it? He said, of course. And there was bread and milk provided in that very moment for those children who didn't have any food. If you take all of the prayers that had been answered throughout George Mueller's life and translated it into modern-day dollar amounts, he prayed in more than $150 million to 
to care for orphans and provide education and the gospel to those in England. Stuart McAlpine, who is a friend of mine, I just saw him the other day, he has a loosely organized group called the Ask Network. And every time I run into him, he see, seems like he says something like this. You need to ask more. You need to ask boldly. You need to ask specifically, believing that you are asking a good father who is there to provide for your needs. In the Lord's Prayer, as we've been praying again and again, Jesus tells us to pray for God's provision. Today we said, give us today our, the food we need. The more common one is give us today our daily bread. Bread is basic. Have you ever invited anybody over for dinner and said, I want to invite you over for dinner and we are going to have bread for dinner? No, like uh, anything else? No, 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 no. We are having bread. I know there's some good bread out there. But normally, bread is basic. It's a basic staple. And Jesus is saying, pray for the basics. In different cultures, there's different grains that are the basics of everyday life. You go to South America and Central America, and you have corn, and you have tortillas, and you have rice. And I imagine if Jesus was born into South America, he would have prayed, give us today our daily tortillas. I imagine if he was born in Africa, there's more maize or I know fufu is one of the things in Africa. He might have been saying, give us today our daily fufu. The daily sustenance that we need every day. If you go back to the time of Jesus in the Middle East where they were, there was two predominant grains, wheat and barley. And they had a festival for the wheat harvest and the barley festival. They had a festival of the unleavened bread connected to Passover. And the way that they prepared it is they'd grind it into flour, mix it with some kind of liquid and potentially yeast, and then bake it in these stone ovens like in this picture. It was like modern day stone pizza ovens, just you didn't get any toppings on that bread. You just got the crust. But bread is basic. And when you think about bread, you think basic. And Jesus is saying, pray to God for your daily basic provisions in life. According to an article on Medium titled, Stop Equating the Poor in the United States with Jesus' Poor, it is estimated that 90% of the people living in Israel at the time of Jesus were material poor living hand to mouth. They were just trying to fend off starvation. That's very different than what we consider being materially poor in the United States. On a website called givingwhatwecan.org, you can go on there and enter in all your financial data and see where you stand in perspective to the whole world with regards to your wealth. So I started playing with the numbers on there. And it turns out if you have an income of more than $19,000 a year as a single adult, be it from a work, government assistance, investments, whatever it is, 
If you have more than $19,000 as a single, you are in the top 10% richest people in the world. Yes, I know you have to consider, you know, different countries and cost of living and all these different things. But what I'm trying to say is how we view ourselves and our needs is much different than how much of the world views themselves and their needs. So when Jesus is speaking to a crowd where nine out of 10 are living hand to mouth, and he says, give us today our daily bread, the people would be saying, I need bread. Now, when we rewind, we see that God has always been a provider, as I mentioned in the communion reflection. Also in the Old Testament, do you remember the nation of Israel as they were led out of Egypt? Some estimates put it at around a million people that left Egypt to go into the promised land and then got stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. But in those 40 years of wandering, how did God provide for them? Well, first you see God provides water from a rock. That literally they that they did not have water to drink. And you're talking a million people needing fresh water. And God provides water from a rock. Then he provides manna from heaven. And manna literally translated means, what is it? So what is it? Well, it was these little white flakes that, that were on the ground in the morning that you picked up, you could grind and make into some type of bread. But the people were not satisfied with bread. And they said, we want meat. And God said, I will provide meat for you. And he provided small birds called quail. So they had water, bread, and meat. 40 years daily, God provided for them. Now, if you would gather too much manna and try to keep it for a couple days, just stocking up on the manna, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to stock up on it. By the next morning, it would be rancid and no longer good. The only time that it would last through the night is on the Sabbath. On the sixth day, God would say, gather double the amount so you can take a day of rest and it'll be good the next day. So he literally taught the Israelites daily provision. Not weekly, not monthly, daily provision. And God even took it farther than that. We read in Deuteronomy 29, 5, for 40 years, this is God speaking to the people, for 40 years I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. I got four kids. I buy them new shoes and they barely get home and they feel like they're halfway worn out. But here he is. God saying, I'm gonna take care of your sandals. I'm gonna take care of your clothes. 40 years, water, bread, meat, and clothes. God is and was their daily provider. Bread is all over the Bible. There's another instance that we read about bread. And every week, the priests would take bread into the presence of God. They were commanded by God to... to cook what was called showbread. 
And so while they were in the wilderness, they had a tabernacle or tent which had the Holy of Holies, which was central to worship. And right outside the Holy of Holies, there was a table which they would put the showbread on, or another name for it is the bread of his presence. The priests would, uh, the day before the Sabbath, bake 12 loaves of bread to symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel, stack it on the table outside of the Holy of Holies, and it would stay there for a week. At the end of the week, the priest would take it out of the presence of God, but it was considered holy because it was in the presence of God, so the priest would have to ingest it and eat it themselves. And it was a weekly reminder to the nation of Israel that God is a God who provides. Every week, They would see this bread again and again, that God is a God who provides. So when Jesus taught his disciples and followers to pray, he was reminding them of God's past and present provision in their lives. I don't know about you, but in the last week, I did not walk up to my refrigerator or cupboards and open them up and find them completely empty and say to myself, God, give me today my daily bread. Maybe some of you did, and I pray that you were provided for, and if not, please talk to me. What I'm saying is for the majority of us, we don't pray prayers of dependence for food on a daily basis. And we take it for granted that God has filled our cabinets and cupboards and refrigerators with daily provision. And if you woke up in a warm home today, took a warm shower, ate some type of food and drank fresh water, you are wealthy. And in our wealth, we can easily forget the God who provides. And so what are we asking God to provide for us? How are we asking him to step into our existence? Well, first, we're hearing these things about physical provision, food, shelter, the basics of life. Yes, God, take care of those basics. And if you already have food, if you already have shelter, if you already have the basics, then what is it, what is the reason that God has given you more? Is it simply for you? To have more for you, to expand your kingdom, or is it to actually help others? Remember this, often when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray it very individualistically. But the Lord's Prayer does not say, give me today my daily bread. Does it? No, it says, give what? Give us today our daily bread. It is a communal prayer. It is a collective prayer meant to be prayed in families and communities. And across scripture, we see that when we pray prayers like that, it should be that, well, God, you have given me my daily bread and you have given me extra bread. And God, as I'm praying this, I see somebody who has no bread, who has no manna, who doesn't have their daily provisions. And I should not be just holding on to it but I should be looking at how I can give it away to others. And if we lived like that, collectively, and if when we prayed, we said, give us today our daily bread, and 
God brings somebody to mind who doesn't have the basic needs. We should go and meet those needs. I've watched our church do this with time, talent, and treasure. As people come to the church in needs, I've seen people generously give of financial resources. I've seen them give of their time or their skills to help others. I've seen you raise supplies and funds to move people into houses. And this is part of what it means to not just pray individualistically, but collectively. God, give us our daily bread. So we're praying for physical provision, but we're also praying for spiritual provision. That doesn't just stop with the physical. We should move into the spiritual realm. Jesus, when he met with a Samaritan woman at the well, on that day, he showed up at the Samaritan village, and Samaritans were considered half-breed and outcasts. And here he's at this well, and his disciples go into the Samaritan village to get some food. Jesus stays by the well, meets this woman, has an incredible spiritual conversation with her, where she really comes to know him as the Messiah. After this conversation, his disciples come back out with food and they say, Jesus, are you hungry? And Jesus turns towards them and says, nope, I have food you know nothing of. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and that nourishment that comes from doing what God wants me to do far surpasses physical provision. He goes on a little later in the book of John and and Jesus is speaking to his followers and he says, you know how God provided bread from heaven for 40 years in the wilderness for the Israelites? And even after providing for 40 years, they all died anyways? Well, I am now, I am the living bread that has come from heaven. I am the bread of life I am the one that if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have life in me. Now, before you get into thinking that Jesus is promoting cannibalism, he's not. And and actually, Christians of the past were accused of that in the early church. But what he's really saying is that if you have this life that is so connected to me, that My flesh is your flesh. My life is your life. My blood is your blood. It's so connected that when people look at you, they don't just see you, they see Jesus too. If you have that type of spiritual life, it will overflow. So I ask you again, what do you need God to provide for you? Where do you need God's provision? Maybe it's physical today that you're just saying, God, I need this provision. I want to encourage you to ask specifically, boldly, and confidently prayers of provision to a God who provides. We see God's provision again and again through Scripture. And when you pray these prayers of provision, oftentimes when we have needs, we look to the hands of God. And we look to the hands of God to provide for our needs. And God often does in many different ways. But what if we look to the face of God and said, God, I'm not just looking for what I can get to you. I'm looking for a relationship with you. Any of you parents love when kids come and just ask for things and want no relationship with you? That's a fabulous moment. And same with God. God is looking for a relationship with you. 
and not just simply a transaction with you. Hands of God is transactional. The face of God is relational. And so, yes, God will provide. And he will even give you things when you ask. But he's really desiring a relationship from you. And from that relationship, providing for your needs. God is a God who will provide. In Matthew 7, 9 to 11, Jesus says to his followers about prayer, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if, you're, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Think about the Lord's Prayer again. Our Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done as earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We are praying to a good, good Father that's better than any of any Father on earth. And he wants to give you good gifts from his good heart and provide for your need. So how do we know in what ways he wants to provide? Well, the Apostle John, who was called the Apostle Jesus Loved, put it this way in 1 John 5, 13 to 15. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. God has already provided the most incredible thing for you, eternal life. And for those who believe in Jesus, God has already answered an eternal prayer for you. When you said yes to Jesus, you have your eternity secured in him. What an amazing thing. And, then, and he's saying, I'm writing this to people who know Jesus, who said yes to Jesus. And it says now, and we are confident that he hears us. Why? Because we have a relationship with Jesus. We're, we're walking in confession we're saying, God, we received your son into our lives. We're, we have confidence that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Another translation says, if we ask anything according to his will. How do we know the will of God? We open the pages of scripture. And the pages of scripture will always align with the will of God. So when you ask, you ask according to what's already been written. And if we're asking in that way, we should ask with boldness and confidence, saying, Jesus, you have written it, and we're going to believe it. We sang it this morning. You stated it. I believe it. Do it. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us whatever we ask for. The challenge is that we need to align our needs with the will of God. And align our lives with the will of God so that when we pray, it overflows in that way. God answers prayers in many different ways. There's an old story told about a person who was sitting in their living room watching their TV and they saw that rains were coming and potentially flooding was coming. And they said to themselves, God will provide. A little while later, a neighbor pulls up in a pickup truck and says, jump in, floods are coming. And the gentleman says, no, God will provide. And so the floods start rising and, and this person moves to the second floor and a boat comes by and the person says, jump in the boat. And the guy says, don't worry about it, God will provide. And the boat goes away. So the person crawls up onto the roof as, 
as the flood gets higher and higher. And a helicopter comes, drops a basket, says, jump in. The person says, God will provide. And never gets in the basket. Well, the person dies and ends up in heaven. And God says, what are you doing here? He says, well, you didn't provide for me. He said, well, I gave you a news report, sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What more did you want me to do? And oftentimes, we expect God to provide in one way, when actually he's providing in different ways than we expect. One of my friends loves to put it this way, God answers prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and I have a different plan. I would say that all of us want yes answers. That when we pray that direction, we want God to say yes to whatever we're asking for. And God, if it's in accordance with his will, if it's aligned with his purposes, you will have it. Sometimes the best thing God can say to us is no. And if we're willing to make adjustments and say, okay, God, I guess it's a different plan we will see the God who provides. We are told to pray prayers of provision to a God who provides. We're told to pray with boldness, with confidence, specifically asking. And so I want to encourage you this morning that whatever it is that you need, that you'd go before God humbly and boldly asking believing that you have a good, good Father who will provide for you. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together as we finish up here. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. Amen.